0: This is an unusual one. Thanks for listening. This is Phil Ling. I am the host of The Giving Leader, The Giving Leader podcast. We are uh, sponsored by The Giving Church, which is what we do working with churches and ministries around the United States in leadership development and fueling generosity. How do you fuel the vision with generosity? So that's what we do, and you can go to thegivingchurch.com and learn more about that. But what I'm going to do today is going to be a little bit different because we're going to talk from gleaning from conversations with literally dozens and hundreds of clients around the country on how they're dealing with their ministries and surviving through this fearful time and and the coronavirus and social distancing and how do we have services or not have services and what are steps that we can take to make sure that we are strong and that we survive financially through this very fearful time so that's today's episode Thanks for tuning in, listening to us on another episode of The Giving Church. Like I said, on the introduction, I'm Phil Ling, the host, and also the founder of The Giving Church. You can go to thegivingchurch.com, get more information about that. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to give you a little bit of an insight. When we launched our podcast last year, our first season, we were blessed. Thousands of you downloaded our episodes and when we went into season two, we launched with Josh Gagnon and interviewing him with Next Level Church in New Hampshire about what they were doing, and we were going to go down that normal path, and, which is great. And you've been very gracious and downloaded those episodes. But when we yesterday, we released an episode where I re-interviewed Brett Andrews, and we talked about what they're doing in the Washington, D.C. area with a large church, a large ministry impacted by the, the coronavirus, the crisis, everything that's happening. And I've got to tell you, as of this morning, we have had more downloads, faster downloads per hour, per minute today than in any episode that we've had. And they have all been good episodes in the past. So because of that, I decided to jump on and let's, let's drop another, another episode. And this is what it's going to be. Instead of interviewing, I'm just going to rattle on for a few minutes. It won't be a long podcast. But I'm going to share with you a lot of the things that I am finding around the United States with churches. Now, just to give you a thumbnail sketch, as of April the 1st, I've spent the last 20 years working with ministries and churches around the United States on leadership development and generosity development. Literally hundreds and hundreds of churches, everything from churches you've heard about, the little ones you haven't heard about, from ministries from Billy Graham on down to some parachurch ministries that that are smaller and you haven't heard about. Because of that, I've got a lot of relationships. Those are people that we've been interviewing on the podcast. And we've been talking for the last two days, Tim Cooper on my team, we have been on, pod, or on, uh, on Zoom calls and conference calls with churches for the last 48 hours, seeing what they're doing, both fielding calls from them, helping them through managing this crisis. But I've been coming up with the best practices. And so what I'd like to rattle through for a few minutes is I'm gonna give you eight bat- best practices that we're noticing The churches that are dealing with this crisis and are dealing effectively and I think are going to come out on the other side much healthier and some that I'm sure that are not. Uh, I do think the crisis is real. I got to set the stage, though, because I have worked with churches and ministries through 9-11. And when 9-11 happened, I was in an airplane flying from Portland, Oregon, back to Kentucky. And had to turn around and go back to Portland, Oregon and, and land and drive across the country because there, everything was shut down. So I've worked with churches and ministries through that and through the tech bubble when it burst and through uh, the 2008 banking collapse. Uh, and so now we come into this and yeah, banking and is, uh, not banking, but the, the economy is going through a tough time right now. And you're watching the stock market and it's going down in the value of companies and what they look like on paper. But that's not the issue. Unemployment was low. Um, our our economy was the strongest in the world, but the virus has hit us like the Walking Dead. It's like the zombies. And I know I've got people that are listening to me, and churches, and ministers, and pastors that are out there that are wondering because you haven't been hit hard yet. Is it even a real crisis? I was with a church on Sunday night that still had services as usual, but they're not going to next week. And then I've got other large churches around the country that were proactive and did not meet last weekend. And now the states and the governors have made those decisions. And remember, it went from groups of 250 or smaller, or 100 or smaller, 50 or smaller, 10 or smaller. So then what do you do? How do you deal with it? Well, a couple of things, just put it, I you know, don't want to be just the Bible guy and flip it out here, but I was looking at N.T. Wright's book, Paul for Everyone on 2 Corinthians. And he talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter eight, just that whole little section with the Macedonian churches. Let me tell you, my dear family, about the grace which God has given to the Macedonian churches. They have been sorely tested by suffering. Doesn't that have resonance today? But the abundance of grace which was given to them in the depths of poverty they have endured, have overflowed in a wealth of sincere goodness on their part. So here's what I want you to understand. Because we work with churches and ministries helping them raise money across the country, of course, people are saying, Well, how will we weather this storm when we can't gather? Because the clubhouse has been closed. See, every other crisis that I mentioned, we were able to gather. A lot of churches went up in attendance after 9-11. So this is one where we can't come together. How are we going to do that? But as much as I'm going to give you some insight and I think some best practices and ideas about that, I think it goes deeper than that. It is the church being the church. It is not about how cleverly you can come up with ways for them to gather. But it's how do we have the church be the hands and the feet of Jesus that we always talk about in a a realistic way. So here's number one, service over salaries. So I I actually heard a church this week that did a, a live stream of the service. And on the service, they said when it came to offering time, Yes, we still have salaries. Yes, we still have a building. Yes, we still have overhead. So, your generosity helps us with that. They meant well, but I don't think that's going to fly, especially if this thing goes not just days, but weeks or even a few months. So, here's what I think you have to do you do not want to appeal to your people to give, to operate. Yes, you have to do those things, but it's how are you serving other people? How are you able to link? your ministry to the mission that God's given you. So let me give you an example. Um, Albert Tate, one of our clients, pastor out in California. uh, They have a large church, measures in thousands, not hundreds. And they meet in multiple high schools in the Los Angeles area around Pasadena. So when the school systems closed, of course, they had nowhere to meet. So yes, they did their services this past week. And yes, they live streamed. And you ought to go and check it out because it was really, really good. But when Albert talked about generosity, he got to the essence of why they exist. And what he talked about is I met with the leaders of the school system and I asked them with the schools closed, there are going to be needs of teachers and children, especially that are going to fall through the cracks. What are those needs? Can you help us outline them and identify them? So we, as the fellowship of Monrovia can step to the plate and meet those needs. And then he looked in the screen and says, your generosity will help us be that church. They will reap a benefit in a very significant way, more than the church that says, how much do we need to have to operate? How much do we need to bring in? How do we reach out to our people and ask them to continue to tithe, continue to give? Those are good things, that's nothing wrong with that, but I think it's service over salaries. How do you talk about your service and how are you doing that? So I have another church in Ohio that this past week, they, of course, did their services online, like a lot of you are doing it. But then they also identified a time on a Wednesday where they identified families that would be in need for food, have them drive to the church, go through the parking lot, not get out of the car. And then they had volunteers safely share groceries with those people. And I think it was 150 families that came through and received something. It's God's provision follows God's vision. It's service over salaries. Number two, treat your online services like it's the real thing don't do it halfway uh it's got to be excellent so give the time and energy to that um if if whether it's the music or it's the message or whatever it happens to be if you're going to live stream or you're going to record it ahead of time i would ask you to say i want to give it the attention that we would give what we normally do on the weekend now i had a church that normally would have about five thousand in attendance But they live streamed last week and with unique visitors coming, unique screens that they know that were going to be identified, they calculated at least 20 to 25,000 viewed portions of the service. So your ministry outreach can actually be bigger than what would actually come hang out at the clubhouse because of the electronic communication and community. So my only two cents is then give it the time and energy that you can so that's as good or better than what you normally do. Here's a little nuance, and I don't want this to sound manipulative, but it's true. If you're going to talk about the generosity and stewardship of the church that allowed you to be effective in your ministry, do that either in the body of the message or at the beginning before the message. Don't do it at the end. And the reason why is because we know statistically that when I watch online, when it comes to the end of the message, most of the time, at least half of those people click off before you get through last songs, last announcements, anything like that. So if you're going to talk about that, and you're going to talk about generosity and stewardship and doing the work of the church, then do it at the beginning. Next, make your service available on demand if you can. Don't just do it at appointed times. So in other words, don't offer it on Sunday morning next week and then say, hey, at 2 o'clock, we're going to offer this again. That's okay, but what's a lot better is once you've offered it and put it out on your site, it's on demand. I can go in, just like the podcast right now. I mean, I used to do radio years ago in Seattle, Washington, and from four to seven, Monday through Friday, I'm on the radio talking. Well, you had to be in your car at home or somewhere where you can tune and listen. Now with a podcast, you all listen to me whenever. It could be right after I finish this. It could be tonight. It could be in the middle of the night. It could be tomorrow. Same thing with your services. If you have the ability and the technology, then offer those services on demand. Next, protect the platform. Whatever you do in your weekend touches, if you're gonna do midweek or you're gonna do on the weekend and you're gonna offer this, protect the platform. What I mean by that, is just what I said, offer your best. If there's your folks on there, you might have some folks on your staff that they're not really that great on the platform, that's not their gift set, then don't necessarily use them on the online portion because they're not gonna come across any better on the screen than they were live. So that's not it. So whoever has this gift set, the skills and the talent to be able to project your music, your speaking, your interviews, whatever it happens to be, protect the platform, they've got to be your best. Next, don't wait until Sunday to address what those service needs are in your community. Here's what I mean. Identify things you can do right now. So I've got a church in the St. Louis area. I just talked to them earlier today. And one of the things they've identified and they created their own app. So it's easy, you can go to their website and and download their app. And you can click on, it says, I have a service need. So maybe I need somebody to go pick up groceries. I need somebody to run to the drugstore. whatever that is. I'm I'm homebound through this crisis. I have a service need. There's another place you can click and say, I would like to serve others. And so they can build a list and as things open up where they can identify those service needs, they can dispatch those people appropriately. Well, don't wait until Sunday to do it on your live stream or to do it on your recorded message. Go ahead and do it now. So release a new service. Maybe, and I've got another church that does this. Here's an idea, is at least twice a week, this week, they're going to have the pastor do a video three to five minutes, something brief. And he's talking to the church community about whatever the needs are. Well, that might be the opportunity to say, hey, we're gonna try to feed 400 families this week. And we need people to sign up to get the groceries. We need to see people to drop them up at a, off in a safe way at an appropriate time. We need people to sign up to deliver them at an appropriate time in an appropriate way. Identify those, release those needs, but don't wait and pent them up and just say, well, we're going to talk to the whole church on the weekend, and that's when we'll do it. Now, here's one of my, my pet peeves, my next one I want to I hit on just for a minute. Meet the needs of the most vulnerable. Here's my conviction through this crisis. Here's why I think the church that actually serves others is is going to come out of this and be stronger than when they went into it. Is if you can identify those that are the most vulnerable and meet their needs. I think we have a responsibility to serve the household of faith first. And so just as the government's sitting around saying, you know what, there are gonna be a lot of people that are suddenly an hourly employees and they've lost their jobs because those places have closed. I travel and work with churches. I stay in hotels. Just saw where the Marriott Corporation is shutting down thousands of their hotels. Those people are gonna be without jobs. Well, here's what I would challenge you to do in your church. Sit down and go through all the lists of those people that are closest to your ministry, the people that serve in the children's area, the small group ministry, those people that are connected to you that you can identify. And sit down with your small groups people and your pastors and your lay leaders and say, okay, let's go line by line, name by name, and say, where do they work? What do they do? Who's going to be hit the hardest first financially? It's the baristas that suddenly only the drive throughs open. They don't need nearly as many people. The fast food operators. It's just people that are hourly employees. Well, maybe the government does reach out and send them a $1,000 check or $2,000 check. That's great. But in the meantime, you're the church and it's helping those first in the household of faith. So what if in your church you were able to identify 53 families that are close to your ministry, that are volunteers, that work in your ministry, and you know for a fact they're going to be the first one to lose their jobs? Maybe they don't work for the military. Maybe they don't work for a big corporation that says they can work from home. They're going to be the most vulnerable. What if you mobilize and say, what's the number one need they're going to have this week? Not next week, not next month, this week. What if it's like, what if we could offer free groceries for a month for every one of those families? And we're gonna to appeal to our church to give the money and the groceries to do that and to deliver those to a parking lot where they can come and pick them up in a safe way that doesn't transmit the disease. And it's our one way of doing something small. I think that's it. See, Brian Tome is a pastor of a church in Cincinnati that a few weeks ago, he made national news because they mobilized their large church to help pay off $46 million in, in medical debt for those people in their church. That was cool. What about now mobilizing and saying, we've identified the people in our church that are gonna be the hit the quickest with this, that don't have uh, the Dave Ramsey goal of six months of their their expenses saved up that they can live off of. And they do go paycheck to paycheck and their paycheck stopped immediately. Even if their job picks up next month, it's not picking up right now. And unemployment takes a while and the government, whatever they're going to do is gonna take a while. What could we do immediately? That is what you need to do. And here's my thing on the generosity. If you do that in a proactive way, using social media, reaching out and going family by family through your church, then those of us that do have jobs, those of us that do have savings, those of us that do have more of a cushion are going to be the first to step in line and say, I want to give to that place. Because my return on investment spiritually is huge. And then here's the last thing I want to say, and then we'll we'll cut off for this podcast. Care for yourself. Literally thousands of ministry leaders are listening to me talk. And over the last 10 years, the suicide rate of pastors has climbed dramatically. So what I want to push you at, too, is focus on the family. They have for years had ministry that helps ministers and they have resources. Go to focus on the family's website. Look in those specific areas, dealing with the resources for pastors that are struggling. Uh, Years ago, I was working with Billy Graham and it was right after uh, Katrina hit New Orleans. And I went to New Orleans and I met with a group of pastors. And one of the things that hit me then, which was amazing is that within the first 24 months of Katrina, Over half of the pastors of churches in the New Orleans area had left their ministries and either moved out of state, moved to other ministries, but for whatever reason had left. Why? It wasn't because they didn't love their people anymore. It's because the burden became so heavy. So what I'm challenging you that are in the front lines, don't get so overwhelmed with how do I decide can we make payroll or how many weeks of no offerings or low offerings before we have to lay somebody off or how do we deal with mortgages those are things you'll deal with. But you've got to take care of you too. So look out, reach out, focus on the family as just one resource, your peers that could help you. Be honest and open with those people in your lives, like your eldership and your boards. Don't neglect you, don't neglect your family, or you're of little use to everybody else. Hey, I told you it wouldn't take long. I think we did about 20 minutes. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to be anxious to watch, to see who listens to this episode. I'm going to continue to talk to churches and ministries around the United States. And when I come up with those other best practices, then I'm going to jump on. We'll do a podcast. We'll drop it quick and say, here's some other stuff that's out there that you might want to consider at your ministry that you're leading. You can go to, if you've got specific questions or you say, hey, you mentioned a church that's doing something I'm interested in, then go to info at thegivingchurch.com, info at thegivingchurch.com. Leave us your contact information, your direct question. We'll make sure we'll give you those links and those connections to those ministries around the country that are maybe doing some things you'd like to copy, you'd like to emulate. As always, I really do appreciate you listening. We're excited about this ministry, The Giving Leader, and just trying to bring leaders together. Iron sharpens iron and make a difference. We're praying for you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. I know it's a little bit different. Usually I'm interviewing a leader from around the United States, but today I just wanted to talk about kind of secondhand information from all the clients that I've got uh, from literally states all over the United States with large churches, small churches, ministries, how they're dealing with this. And if you got questions, go to thegivingchurch.com. There's an info button there. Maybe you can email us questions that we can get back to you and give you the best practices on how we are all going to walk through this very fearful time, but not in a fearless way, and how we can continue to fuel our vision with generosity. So go to thegivingchurch.com for more information. Thanks for listening.